October 23, 2020. Newsletter. Confronted. Hello everyone. First off, I want to say how incredibly thankful I am that you chose to sign up for these updates and chose to be a part of my Africa trip on a more personal level. It truly means the world to me to have so many people supporting me and walking alongside my mom and me as we embark on this journey. Through these newsletters, I hope to share more of the journey with you than I could through pre-trip and post-trip letters. I hope to share how preparation for the mission trip is going, as well as some stories from Liberia and Hope too, so that you get to know the country and the ministry better. My biggest desire for this newsletter is that it would be an encouragement to you by showing you some of the ways that God is and has worked in my journey and in Liberia. The past month has been a whirlwind of excitement for me. It's kind of been crazy and surreal that I'm finally going after 10 years of waiting on God and my parents. But I'm so excited. I've never wanted Christmas to come so quickly since we are leaving on the 29th. And that's saying something because I'm the person that loves Christmas so much that they start playing Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving and want to pull out Christmas decor so they can play Joanna Gaines interior designer on December 1st. As previously said, I would like to use this newsletter to share stories from Liberia. Since I haven't been yet, I will be sharing some stories from a book my Uncle Sam wrote called Hope Story. This book isn't about Hope 2 specifically, but about the things that the teams have encountered and experienced. The heartbreak, tragedy, love, and hope. These stories are real and fair warning. They aren't pretty or brushed over. They don't avoid heartbreak, but they do show the hope found in the heartbreak. When asking my uncle if I could share these stories, he told me, for sure, anything. It's God's story. This is how I want you to see these stories. These stories are God's stories. I want you to look for how God works and moves through these stories. Because God is moving and working in Liberia through people who are willing to say yes to his lead. The same way God works in these stories is the same way God can work through you if you're willing to listen and obey him. This week, I will be sharing a story that addresses the biggest tragedy to hit Liberia since the uncivil civil war, the Ebola pandemic. Liberia was one of the hotspots for the Ebola outbreak, which lasted from 2014 to 2016. I chose this story because I wrote about the civil war in my support letter, but I didn't talk about the Ebola outbreak, which deeply affected Liberia. To get to know people, or at least know about them, we must meet them where they're at. This is where the people of Liberia were only a few years ago. Hearts are still broken from the incredible loss of many family and friends. But God is bringing hope. You'll see what I mean in the next newsletter. Confronted by Sam Risley even the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. I never felt the power of that message 
or the truth of it until I placed my hands on the large, black, imposing metal gates of the crematorium in Liberia, Africa. Less than a mile away from the Hope Center stands this now rather silent monster that devoured the Ebola victims. My first encounter with the crematorium was during the height of the Ebola outbreak when I felt compelled to travel to Liberia. The world was overwhelmed and on edge, and many mission groups were pulling missionaries out of Liberia. I thought this was the perfect time to go. God is not intimidated by such a disease and has never called us to retreat fearfully from any mission field. I remember preaching in the church the first Sunday, proclaiming that Ebola answers to God and God's children can be both wise and fearless at the same time. I don't remember a single scripture I shared that day, but I do remember the chilling figure standing at the end of the service, sharing from his shredded heart to mine. He was an Ebola victim. He had lost his daughter and stood looking me in the eyes humbly while profusely thanking me for coming to face this silent deadly killer with them. He spoke of the hope that my presence brought and it made me feel both unworthy and grateful at the same time to be asked by God to go to Liberia in such a time as this. I remember being overwhelmed with the feeling of God's perfect timing. It was somehow comforting to know that what we were experiencing was God's fault and not mine. It was just right for me to be there. I could not imagine the pain this man went through. But somehow, it was eased by God's presence in me. As I drove home from church that day, I followed a pickup truck with bodies in the back, no doubt headed to the crematorium. I heard ambulances and even pulled over to let one pass, knowing that another soul was suffering as the sirens announced their reminder that death was on the move. I passed the ELWA compound, the very center of Ebola treatment in the country. Every person in the compound had on special suits, hoping to protect themselves from the outbreak. I rolled slowly by, only to have my heart crushed by a little boy's journey that brought me a flood of emotion. He could not have been more than seven or eight years old, and he walked through the gates of the Ebola treatment intake center. I wondered what his chances of ever coming out of that place alive were. I felt so disgusted and devastated by how wrong his journey was. That little boy's plight alone was enough to crush me, if not for God's voice in the back of my head saying, Ebola answers to me. That boy is mine and I have him. On I drove in silence with our in-country director, Sonny, passing Boystown Junction and then the orphanage, Rafiki Village. It was late afternoon and something caught my eye off to my left. Smoke rose above all the buildings and trees. At first, I did not say anything, but it could not be ignored as the flames rose at least 15 feet above the 10-foot walls of the structure. I had no idea what it was. So I finally asked Sonny what in the world this fire was coming from. 
It was the largest fire I had seen, and certainly the most sinister this side of hell. His response was chilling. He spoke simply and to the point. Oh, that is the fire that is burning the bodies of the Ebola victims. Silence engulfed the car, like a smothering, airless chamber. I could not find words, and Sonny seemed to be waiting for them. None came as we drove back to the center, confined by the stillness of such a reality. I sat on the back porch that evening as the smoke continued to bellow in the majestic sky like an unwanted forced offering from some dark cult. It was a hard night. I wondered if that man's daughter was burned in this place. The man who smiled at me in church and thanked me for coming just a few hours before my solo porch pondering. I am still confounded by what another man shared. Ebola is worse than the Civil War because it kills silently. At least with a war, you can hear the guns shooting at you. I feel a bit lost as I write this, because jotting down these words have taken me a bit deeper than I expected. So I'm simply going to stop writing, knowing that there is always a certain feeling of loss before hope springs forth. Tragedy is powerless to keep hope confined, and always ends up being hope's doorstop. Wounds must welcome hope's arrival. They have no other real purpose. And if you will give me a moment to compose myself, I shall get beyond my wounded heart and share the rest of this story. For now, consider this story's ending to be continued. Hope Story, page 113 through 115. Sometimes God calls us to go into circumstances that are undesirable and heartbreaking. Circumstances in which we may be uncertain as to why God is asking us to do what he would like done. Yet it is in these circumstances that we are able to walk with people, show them love, and allow God to bring hope. My Uncle Sam is just your normal, everyday person, but he chooses to obey and go where God calls him. Because of this, he is able to encourage that man at church service and walk with the Liberians through a time when they were mourning over their losses and probably feeling abandoned and hurt. We can bring hope to others and God can work through each and every one of us. It is just up to us to choose each day to say yes and be obedient to what God is calling us to do. This is the attitude that I desire to have as I go on this mission trip. A yes attitude. The other day, my Uncle Sam's wife, Aunt Kathy, posted a picture of some interior decor that she put up. One of the pictures was a sign a friend of hers made saying, Obedience over understanding. That saying stood out to me because I don't completely understand 
why God would open doors for me now, after 10 years of waiting. But he has. And so I'm running through them. I don't understand. I may never understand. But God is telling me to go, and so I will. I know one thing for certain. I'm saying yes, and I'm honored that God would choose me to go to Liberia to serve his people. Until next week, Shelby. Contact me at shelbyspringit911 at gmail.com or 269-539-8079. For more information, see hope2.org, hope2 on Facebook, and at hope2.org on Instagram.